Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have the Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Esther. And actually going to change the text so the guys are going to be unhappy. Uh, Esther chapter 4, and I want to read from verse 12. Esther chapter 4, I want to read from verse 12. Bible says, When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews shall arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish, and who knows? But that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Isn't that a great scripture? That's a great scripture. And who knows that God has not brought you here for such a time? Who knows that God has not brought us from all kinds of countries around the world for such a time as this? Who knows? That God has not established this church for such a time as this. In the, in the name of Jesus, by His grace and for His glory. And Father, I just thank You for Your Word. I thank You that You're going to speak today to our hearts. I thank You that it's not by might nor by power, by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom to speak and to hear the Word of the Lord. We love You. And we know that the power of one thought, one idea, one concept... We, we, we thank you that your word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, able to penetrate the depth of our spirit, Lord God. And we pray, above all else, send your word into our hearts. Let us hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today, Lord God, I pray. And I thank you that you will speak, that our lives will be changed. I'm going to walk out of this place saying, man, I'm so glad I went to church this morning. This we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to begin a new series titled Favour, a study of the book of Esther. I want to study the book for a number of reasons. First, because one of the themes, as we're going to see today in the book of Esther, is the theme of favour. As I was praying about 2024, felt to pray and believe for blessing and favour. Kind of tackled the concept of blessing in January and just, just going to tackle the topic of favour in this month. When Jesus began his ministry, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Uh, how many people would like 2024 to be the year of the Lord's favour? How many of us would, look, would like to look at the end of 2024, look back and say, This was a year of the Lord's favour? I want us to believe for that in Jesus' name. That 2024 is going to be a year of blessing and fruitfulness. A year when we get closer to God. A year where God opens the windows of heaven. Pours out so much blessing, we can't contain it. We have to say, God, you got to stop. It's too much. How many people would like that? Come on. In the name of Jesus. A year where God moves with the miraculous. A year where God baptises with the Holy Spirit. A year when God saves. I want us to believe for the Lord's favour, both individually and corporately as a church. Second reason why I want to study the book of Esther is because it's just good to study the Bible. 
We need to get back to the Word of God. As we look at the nation of Israel as represented in Scripture, they went through these cycles. You read about it. You know, we, 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 we have, uh, we have the, the advantage of being able to read of hundreds of years of history of Israel and we kind of see the high points and the low points. But you see this pattern with the nation of Israel. They would see the glory of God, the miracles, the power of God manifest amongst them. But then, as time went by, they would slowly drift away from God. They would drift away from God. They would see the glory of God, but slowly they would drift away. Drift away so badly that they would begin to worship idols. And then uh, they would go through trials. You, God would say to them, you don't want me around? No, nah, we don't want you around. You don't think, you want, you want to worship your gods? All right, worship your gods. So God takes his hand off of them. And then they go through all kinds of rubbish, trials and difficulties. And so they turn back to God. And then the cycle would begin all over again, again and again and again. You read about it in the Scriptures. Danger of that is, here's the, here's, the, here's the thought for you and me. The danger is that it can happen to us as well. Everything written in Scripture is there to teach us, to show us, so that we would learn that we don't go through this cycle. The writer to the Hebrews says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. You don't necessarily fall away, you drift away. You don't wake up one morning and say, you know what, today I'm not going to worship God, I'm going to worship an idol today. Doesn't happen like that. We drift away into that. And at some point we hear, bowing down to an idol, which I'll come back to in a second, and we wonder how do we get there. Winky Prattney says that there are four stages to this drifting cycle. Four stages to the drifting cycle. Stage number one, we forget God. Read the book of Judges and, um, you know, uh, um, I'm just going through the book of Joshua at the moment. I've just read through Genesis to um, to Deuteronomy and, and um, you get into the book of Judges, is Joshua then Judges, and, and there's this terrible verse, there's this very sad verse in the, in the first, second chapter of Judges, it says, uh, and a generation grew up who did not know God, nor the things that God had done for Israel. And they began to worship other idols. They had, they had forgotten God, they had forgotten the things that God had done for Israel. It was their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents who had experienced and seen the power of God. Now there's another generation and they forgot God because they didn't experience those things. That's why every generation needs to experience the power of God. My voice is a bit rough this morning. Still got one more sermon to do. We forget God. That's the first stage. Second stage is we forget the commands of God. Well, if God is not that important, then neither are His commands. We, we say, well, we forget God and then we forget the commandments of God. We say the commands are not commands. They become suggestions. They become, well, see how you go. We forget God, we forget the principles of God. Thirdly, we begin to worship new gods. We create new gods. Now I know you and I would never worship an idol. We're Christians. We wouldn't worship an idol. And we've talked about this so, 
so many times. But back in Bible times, they served Baal and Asherah and, and, and uh, they were physical representations of pride and power and possessions and, and, uh, and uh, uh, pleasure and all of that. They were just physical representations. We don't worship idols, but we can still worship idols. We look to something else to give us peace. We look to something else to give us protection. We look to something else to give us joy. And we begin to worship new gods. Here's another new God that we can worship so subtly. It's Jesus, but with a little J. It's not the Jesus with a big J. It's, it's a new Jesus. He's a new God. He's a new... Uh, anyway, number four, we create new commandments. So we create new gods and we create new commandments. God spoke to the, to the church in Galatians and he said, but who's bewitched you? What's happened to you? You started off uh, in grace and in faithfulness and, and mercy and, and now you've given yourself to a different gospel. How many people know that, that our, the gospel can change? We start, to, we, start to, we start to believe a new gospel. It's not the gospel of the Bible, but we, st we start, I know the Bible says that, but little J. So how do we protect ourselves from this cycle? Because it can happen. Uh, someone, someone once said, God doesn't have grandchildren because unless the grandchild has experienced God, they will drift away. That's why church is so important. It's why the Word of God is so important. It's why Sunday school is so important. That's why the youth is so important. And one of the things we pray, we pray, God, oh God, that they would have an encounter with you. They need to have an encounter for themselves. They need to experience God for themselves. They need to experience the miracle working power of God for themselves because that's what's going to get them through. How do we protect ourselves? Two things we need to do. We're not even started with the message yet. Number one, we need to remember God. Man, I, I, as I said, I've just read Genesis to, Re, to Deuteronomy, just a revelation. I haven't done that. Um, Genesis to Deuteronomy. The amount of times God said, remember, remember, remember. Why? Because we forget. We forget so easily. I'll meet someone. Hi, uh, my name's Paul. Hey, go on. Yeah, good, good. Two seconds later, I've already forgotten their name. We forget. And God's, God understands. Again and again, God said to the people of Israel, Remember, remember, remember. When you see your children, talk to them, tell them, tell them what happened. Uh, some of, the, some of the, the practices amongst the, the Israelites, the, the principles, the, God said, I want you to do this, 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 and this. And, I want, and it kind of embedded it in the culture that they would remember. The whole, the whole concept of the Passover was so that they would remember what God did for them. How they came out of Egypt. Um, remember, why do we break bread together? We remember. We go right back to, the, to, to Calvary, to where it all began. We need to remember what Jesus did for us, that we were lost, that we were heading off in our own direction. But God in His grace and in His mercy, He came after us. We remember. We need to remember God. And then we need to study the Word of God. Uh, how, do we, how do we prevent ourselves from forgetting the commands of God? We need to study the Word of God. 
We need, to, we need to read the Word of God, study the Word of God. We hear a lot of sermons today, but I'm not sure we're actually reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God. You know, we have podcasts, we have, man, it's amazing the area we're living in today. Fantastic. It's amazing. Uh, back in my day, you had to order a tape to hear a sermon from overseas. I, I lived in, you don't even know what a tape is. Some of you go, a eh, tape, what's a tape? You know, God bless you. <laughs> uh, uh, we had to order it. Three months to hear a sermon from someone from, from the US. Now, Monday, it's, in, it's already there. It's great. Doesn't mean we know more about the Word of God. We just have more information. But none of that will, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. But none of that will ever replace the Word of God. Just studying the Word of God. And so we need to get back to that because it's through the word of God that we get to know the heart of God. The principles of what stops us from drifting is remembering God and remembering the word of God. So that's, one I wanna, that's why I want to dive into one of, the, one of the books of the Bible. And we might do this a couple of times this year. We'll see how we go. Um, but in this series, what we're going to look at is the book of Esther briefly. It's a great book of the Bible and there are some powerful lessons that we can learn from this book. And what makes the book of Esther so interesting is that it doesn't mention the name of God. Not once. Not once. Um, yet the spirit of God is present throughout the whole book. As one commentator said, the book of Esther is an invitation to read the story looking for God's activity. It's a reminder that even in a place where God doesn't seem to be worshipped, God is still moving. God's purposes are still being accomplished. So what I want to do today, quickly tell you the story. And then I will look at one of the key themes of the book. It's the theme of favour. And in the next couple of weeks, we'll come back to the key verse. And who knows? But that you have come to your royal position for such a time. What a great verse. But who knows that God has not brought you here for such a time as this. We'll come back to that later. Let me begin by giving you an overview of the book of Esther. The book of Esther is about the Jews that remained in Persia, in Babylon. You'll remember in one of those cycles, Israel disobeyed God. God warned them again and again and again and again and again. He said, guys, you've got to stop on this track. They wouldn't listen to God. They all uh, were taken as captives into Babylon. They remained in Babylon for 70 years. After 70 years, they were allowed to return. We looked at that last month, Nehemiah, Ezra and so on. Not all the Jews went back. Some of them stayed in Babylon. This is a story about those that stayed in Persia or in Babylon. Story begins with a party. King Xerxes was a man of immense power and wealth. His kingdom was great. He was powerful. He got whatever he wanted. He always got his way. No one ever said no to the king. First time we hear about him, he's throwing a party. Fact, uh, first couple of chapters, uh, it describes um, uh, about three parties that they had. The book of Esther begins with parties, finishes with some banquets. Begins and finishes with banquets. Um, now, these guys did some serious partying. First one lasts six months. Um, then after that, there was another one and then another one. In one of these parties, he was um, high in spirits from wine. He was drunk. <laughs> uh, calls for Queen Vashti. Um, he wants to show her off to the guests. Uh, and so 
He calls for Queen Vashti's queen and, you know, you know these guys are you know, drunken, you know, whatever, revelry. And, and so he wants to parade his wife in front of these guys. So he calls for Queen Vashti and, and says, asks her to come and she says, no. No, thanks, I'm not going to be paraded in front of this. So how does the king respond? Well, the king responds by saying, so sorry, Queen Vashti. So sorry. I'm sorry, I'm even better. What was I thinking getting you to come? I, I agree with you, you're right. Is that what, is that what happened? No. The Bible says the king, who wasn't used to people saying no, became furious and burned with anger. So he consults his advisors, what shall we do, who just happened to be all men. It's a major crisis. The advisors said in verse 17, uh, for the queen's conduct will become, uh, this is humour, I like to see humour in the Bible, this is funny. For the queen's conduct will become known to all the women, and so they will despise their husbands and say, King Xerxes commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, but she will not come. There will be no end of disrespect and discord. These guys are scared. They're scared that if the women find out that, you know, she said no to the king, then they're all going to say no, it's a disaster. So uh, they suggested he choose a new queen. Process for replacement is described in Esther chapter 2. It's the very first bachelor show and whatever, king wants a wife. So a search is made for the new queen and young women are sought to apply for the position. Young, enter Esther, a young Jewish girl who's drafted into the competition. Uh, we're told she was adopted and raised by her uncle Mordecai. Very interesting. And uh, we might come back to that. So she, along with all the other women, are to prepare for the king. So she makes it past the prelims into the final round. And in this round, she gets to go to the king. Uh, preparation for this is really elaborate. Uh, women had to spend 12 months getting prepared to go to the king. Six months with oil of myrrh. Six months with perfumes. Chanel 4. Chanel 5 wasn't out yet. All right, this is still Chanel 4. And they had to bathe in this stuff for like six months. <laughs> uh, according to historical records, time of preparation also included aerobics, weightlifting, liposuction, Botox. Uh, 12 months to try to look attractive for this brainless twit of a king because who you are is how you look. Esther's resented by the writer as a model of modesty and restraint. Spoiler alert, she goes into the king and she wins the competition. So the king throws a party, and this time it's the same guys, hey guys, brings in his new wife, she comes out, and everything's good. And then the two of them lived happily ever after. Right? No, there's a twist. King's right hand man, Haman, hated the Jews, especially Mordecai, who would not bow down to him. So he decides to get revenge by destroying all of the Jews in the kingdom, genocide. Only hope for the Jews is Esther. To approach the king to save the Jews. The only problem is if you approach the king and he doesn't put out his scepter, if you approach the king without him asking for you and he doesn't put out his scepter, you'll die. Uh, so it's risky. And Esther initially is quite reluctant. And that's when Mordecai challenges her. And he says, Esther, if you don't go, God will raise up somebody else. If you don't go, God will send someone else because God's purposes will be accomplished. So she says, I love this. Then, es then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So be it. 
Esther does approach the king and the Jews are saved. Haman is put to death. Mordecai is promoted to king's advisor. The story of Esther is a story about a woman that because that became queen because she had the right looks. Well, that's the superficial story. But there's a deeper story. The story of an incredible woman who demonstrated courageous faith, who in spite of incredible challenges, chooses to trust God, a woman of character, risked her life, and who was used by God in a powerful way. So over the next few weeks, we're going to Pick out a few stories, a few threads out of the story. And I pray that God is going to speak to all of us. Today, I want to look at one of the key themes with the time I've got left. 12 minutes. How many of you can see a lot of points on the, on the, on the page? <laughs> see a lot of points. I've got to do a lot of writing in 12 minutes. So what enabled Esther to fulfill the vision to save a generation and ultimately... Be used by God. What, what was it that helped her? I'll tell you what it was. It was the favour of God. If there's something that we need in our life, more than anything else, it's the favour of God. The word favour in the Old Testament appears over 150 times. In the New Testament, it's embodied in the concept of grace, unmerited favour. It's the favour of God. So what I want to do is quickly look at two questions. Why is the favour of God so important? And how can we access it? So let's, let's dive in. Let me, get, let, me, let me quickly give you these principles. And, uh, and then I pray that, I pray that, uh, that God is going to speak to us. Firstly, the favour of God brings the favour of people. Esther, we know, was drafted in the beauty contest. Um, but Haggai is in charge of the harem. And Esther was put under his care. Here's what the scripture says. The Bible says the girl pleased him and won his favour. There's our key word. It appears six times in the book of Esther. What was it about Esther that caused her to win the favour of Haggai? Was it a beauty? Was it a strategic alliance? Was she lucky? Was it chance or fate? Is that what it was? Was she at the right place at the right time? Happened to, to be able to connect with this guy? Was that what it was? No, the reason why Esther won the favour of God, uh, Haggai, was because she had the favour of God. There's something that we need in our lives more than anything else. It's not the favour of people. It's not strategic alliance. It's not uh, luck or anything like that. What we need is the favour of God. Favour of God is going to help us to win the favour of people. Bible says about Daniel, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, now God had brought Daniel into the favour and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. The key to getting the favour of God is to purpose in our heart to obey and serve God. We don't get the favour of God by manoeuvring and cheating and, and strategically placing ourselves. We get the favour of God by obedience to God. It's not, it's not I put people first, I put God first. I say, God, the, the most important thing that I need is not people's favour. What I need is your favour. And when we aim to get the favour of God, we get the favour of people. Solomon is speaking to his son about wisdom. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. Then you will win favour. 
and a good name in the sight of God. Some people think they're going to get the favour of God by manoeuvring. You don't get the favour of God by manoeuvring and cheating. We get the favour of God by obedience to God. If your presence doesn't go with me, don't send me up from here. Why do we pray that prayer? We, wait, we pray that prayer because unless we have the favour of God, we're going to fail miserably. It's the favour of God we need. Because when we're in the will of God, we have the favour of God, we have the presence of God, we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we have the anointing of God, we have everything that we need to do that which God has called us to do. Number two, the favour of God opens doors in our life that might otherwise be shut. Bible says about Esther, now the young woman pleased him and she obtained his favour, so he readily gave beauty preparations to her besides her allowance. Seven choice maidservants were provided uh, and he moved her and her maidservants to the best place in the house of the women. Favour of God enabled Esther to be moved into the best place in the house. Favour of God will cause doors to be open in your life that might otherwise be closed. It's powerful. It's the favour of God that enables doors to be opened in our life that might otherwise be closed. And we know that Revelation says, the doors that God opens, no one can shut. The doors that God shuts, no one can open. It's the favour of God that we need. God will open doors. You know, Pastor Joe, it was a coincidence, it was this, so I happened to bump into this person who knew this person who knew this person. When we, when we have the favour of God, it's amazing how many coincidences happen in our life. It's amazing how we, the more we pray, the more coincidences happen in our life. It's the favour of God that we need. Man, I, 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 it's a revelation, maybe I got a long time ago. I don't want is the favour of God. I want God. The rest, I don't care. <laughs> If I don't get the job, it means it wasn't the will of God. What I want is the favour of God. Favour of God will cause you to not to strive. How beautiful is that? After 12 months of beauty treatment, she could go to the king. And she could go to the king and take whatever she wanted. All the riches of the palace she could take with her. Gold necklaces, earrings. Take whatever she wanted. Look at what the Bible says about Esther. When the turn came for Esther to go to the king, she asked for nothing other than what Haggai, king's eunuch, who was in charge of the harem, suggested. And Esther won the favour of everyone who saw her. When we have the favour of God, there's no need to strive because it's God who opens doors. It's God. I've seen the favour of God in my life at strategic intersections in my life. I've seen the favour of God. Look back and I say, yeah, that was God. I can't explain it any other way. I think about these buildings. I know we keep talking about it. We're going to keep on talking about it because it's the favour of God. Can, I mean, I, you know, when I think about how we bought the mechanic and, and, then, and, then, uh, and then the bakehouse in, in, six, in six months, we bought two buildings. I, it, it's the grace of God. It's the favour of God. We, we, we didn't sit around the table, hey, let's strategically get this person to get this. We couldn't have come up with this if we even tried it with our brains. And yet God was there, manoeuvring. There was an Esther in just the right place. Incredible. It's the favour of God.
You can experience the favor of God. God wants you to experience the favor of God. The favor of God is not just for some. It's for you and me. It's for all of us. Psalm 23 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Isn't that amazing? Surely goodness and mercy. Pastor Joe, how do we experience the grace of God? How do we experience the favour of God? One of the ways that we experience it is to believe that I can experience the favour of God. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow. I don't know how it happens. It just keeps following me. I try to get away from it and goodness and mercy is still there. How does it, how does it happen? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. Sometimes He even leads us in the valley of the shadow of death, but it's in the valley of the shadow of death that we learn that He is with us, that God is doing something. And as we look at our life, we look back and say, goodness and mercy just keeps on following me all the days of my life. Favour of God brings success. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any of the other women and she won his favour and approval. More than any of the other virgins and so he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. God granted Esther success and she became the queen of Persia. When you have the favour of God, you will prosper, be blessed and flourish. God will give you wisdom. It's happened to me in the last couple of weeks. I had to deal with this situation. Don't know what to do. I woke up one morning and this idea came to my head. I thought, man, that's a smart idea. That's a really good idea. I know when it's not me because it's smarter than me. I, I just couldn't never come up with something that smart. And I just said, God, you're amazing. Favour of God brings wisdom from God. Number five, the favour of God brings you to positions of influence. Just imagine this insignificant girl adopted to Uncle Mordecai and we don't know the, what's happening in her story but here she is. She comes into a position of influence. It's the favour of God. Some of you have said, I'll never make a difference. I'm just a whatever, you finish that sentence. But the favour of God brings us into positions of influence that we could never strategically come up with ourselves. Don't underestimate what God can do with your life. Esther was a nobody. Joseph was a nobody. Moses, I was listening to some stuff about Moses. Moses as a baby was about to be killed. He was about to be killed. And then God brings him to a place of influence. That's the favour of God. It's the only the favour of God that can happen. Disciples were ordinary. Yet God raised them and used them powerfully. Number six, the favour of God protects us from harm. We know that Haman hated the Jews and, and so on and so on. We're going to maybe look at that next week. And so Esther then goes to the king and... Uh, asks that he would save the people of Israel. And, and, God, and God does that. Favour of God protects us from harm. It protects us, sometimes from our own crazy decisions. Psalm 84 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. 
No good, he bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold. From those whose walk is blameless. Number seven, the favor of God causes you to prosper in a place of evil. Some of you might say, it's really hard to serve God because of where I am. You don't know the people, you don't know. You don't know, you don't know what I, the people around me. Some of you think you're being held back because the people around you. Look at what the Bible says about the time of Noah. The people were evil, they were wicked. And here's what the Bible says about Noah. Everyone was wicked. The people had turned their hearts away from God. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. What a beautiful scripture. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. But Esther found favour in the eyes of the Lord. But Joseph, in the midst of all of this crazy, found favour in the eyes of the Lord. Daniel, Ruth, Nehemiah, Put your name there. As God was looking, but whatever your name is, found favour. You can prosper wherever it is that you're planted. Number eight, the favour of God always allows you to do great things for God. Esther saved a generation from death. Let me just give you quickly four things that will enable us to experience the favour of God. You just got four words to write in. Number one, know that you are favoured from God. No. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. No. Begin to confess. I'm, I'm, I know the Bible says you are favoured in, in Christ. In Christ Jesus, we are favoured by God. In Christ. Not because of our righteousness, not because of our intelligence, because of his righteousness. Number two, seek after it. But Moses sought the favour of the Lord. Number three, learn the ways of God. Come on, we know this scripture. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Teach, learn the ways of God and you will experience the favour of God. The favour of God is an outworking of uh, walking in the ways of God. That's why we study the scriptures. Number four, turn from sin and obey God. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us. Yet we have not sought the favour of the Lord our God. How? By turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. If we're going to accomplish the vision that God has for our lives, we need the favour. Listen, you can't walk in sin, consciously walking in sin. You can't intentionally be walking in sin and experience the favour of God. That's just, that's craziness. Pastor John, I'm just struggling. That's different. It's different if you're struggling. I hate this. I'm struggling. God will give you grace to work through that. It's different to the person, now I know I shouldn't be doing this. I'm going to do it anyway. Hebrews 10 says, we're re-crucifying Jesus. We have not sought the favour of God. How? By turning towards God. Bible tells us Jesus was about to begin His ministry went to the synagogue as he was in the habit of doing. Looked like a normal Sabbath, nothing different. Jesus was handed the scroll of Isaiah. He began to read. Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And then he rolls up the scroll and he gives it to the attendant. And Jesus said, today, this scripture 
is fulfilled in your hearing. Man, today, not tomorrow, look like an ordinary Sunday. Just look like another Sunday, but it wasn't. A prophecy that was written thousands of years earlier was about to be fulfilled. I want us to believe that today could be that kind of day. Looks like a routine Sunday. Ushers, musicians, people coming to church a little bit late, just a little bit. Ordinary Sunday. It's not an ordinary Sunday. I want us to believe that this is a day that has been set up for thousands of years. It's a day that God has been planning as He wants to speak to us. Because He wants to do something powerful in our life. Come on, I want to believe that. How many people would say, yeah, I I, I, I want to receive the favour of God? It's the favour of God. I want us to believe that the Spirit of the Lord is among us, individually and as a church, to bring good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set free those who feel like they're in a prison, to open blind, I mean, you can see with your eyes, but you're blind, I can't see. Don't know where to go, what to do. Set the oppressed free and above all else to experience the year of the Lord's favour. Will you stand with me? reach out to the Lord just reach out to the Lord and just say Lord I just receive it in Jesus name whatever that looks like Lord I just receive it in Jesus name I just receive it in Jesus name some of you are saying no it's not going to happen just a joke come on let's believe together in Jesus name We've got a couple of options. We can, we can believe for tragedy. It's good. Let's put our faith in tragedy, in Jesus' name. We can put our faith in, in God believing for favour. And that's what He promises in His Word. No good thing does He withhold from those whose walk is blameless. No good thing does He withhold from those who seek after Him. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of my life. Let's believe for that. You are highly favoured. You will experience the grace of God. Father, I just thank you for your word. We thank you, Father God, for your grace and mercy upon us. And Father, I just pray that this word would become a revelation. Father, we recognise that it's only by your grace and for your glory. It's not because of our righteousness, not because of our intelligence not because of our abilities, not because we strategically align ourselves with certain people. It's only by your grace, the favour of God. Let the favour of God be upon each individual represented here today. Let the favour of God be upon each marriage, I pray in the name of Jesus. Let the favour of God be upon each family in the name of Jesus. Let the favour of God be on our congregation in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that we would look at the end of this year, look back and say, man, we've seen the favour of God. 
amongst us. I love you so much, Lord God. I love you so much. We just love you, Lord God. I love you. Love walking with you, Lord God. Just love, love your presence. Love you, Father God. We just love you, Lord God. And we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Father, we bind every lie of the enemy that would say not to you. We bind every lie of the enemy that would say it's not going to happen to you. We, 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 we bind every doubt and fear in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We just thank you that you're the God that makes a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. Father, we thank you that you're a, that you're a God that when the enemy comes against us like a flood, that you raise up a standard against him in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for your grace that we will see a manifestation of your favour amongst us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. We ask these things, amen and amen. Lord God's people said, amen. Been an amazing congregation. May God bless you. Have a blessed week in Jesus' name. See you back next week. Amen.